أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على سيدنا ومولانا رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن ولاه واهتدى بهداه إلى يوم الدين وبعد Tonight's parable from the Quran is quite essential to everyone's life and it tells us a story related to Surah At-Tawbah that we will be reciting soon, insha'Allah, in Taraweeh. In Surah At-Tawbah, and the whole of Surah At-Tawbah was revealed in the late stages of Medina, towards the end of the life of the Prophet وسلم, and after Fath Makkah, after the opening and conquest of Makkah. Surah At-Tawbah's main target is to unveil the phenomena of hypocrisy that was quite widespread in Al-Madina Al-Munawwar. Hypocrisy in every society appears when there is a big power in the society. And it is normally manifested by individuals who are not strong enough spiritually to face, or not strong spiritually or socially, to face this power and challenge it. Therefore, there was no hypocrisy in Mecca al-Mukarramah. Hypocrisy only appeared in al-Madina al-Munawwara. And hypocrites had different manifestations of their hypocrisy throughout, throughout the stay of the Prophet ﷺ in al-Madina. Sometimes they tried to deceive Muslims by leaving them in the middle of a journey, for example, on the way to the battlefield, they will go with them, and then halfway, they will just separate with 300 or 400 out of 1,000 so that Muslims will be shaken, because when the numbers drop from 1,000 to 600, you will be shaken. It's like, it's like you, have, you have some people telling you that they will be supporting you, and then halfway, they will say, sorry, I'm not continuing this journey. So this was one way. Another way was to spread uh, rumors in the, in the community. Remember that the first accusation that was made against the very, first, the, the very own wife of the Prophet Sayyidatuna Aisha anha, was instigated and was initiated by the hypocrites. Another way was to spread rumors about the Prophet himself. And sometimes to spread rumors and cause some, what we, call, what we would call in, in today's terms, they, they would cause some danger and shaking for the community cohesion. Al-Madina was a very multicultural society that was built from Al-Muhajirin who came from Mecca, from the indigenous Medinians, from the Jews, from other different groups. In fact, even the indigenous Medinians, idol worshippers, some of them accepted Islam and some of them remained disbelievers and some of them were actually blood-related and some of them were not blood-related and some of them had some blood feuds from the days of Jahiliyyah like Al-Aws and Al-Khazraj challenge. So in the sixth year after the Hijrah, the Munafiqeen made a big fuss on a small occasion where Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab sent one of his servants to get some water from the well and, one, uh, uh, and Umar ibn al-Khattab was from the Muhajireen. One, from, uh, one man from Al-Ansar sent his servant to get some, to have access to the well and then these two little boys had a fight. And it all sparks like that. Two little boys having a fight with each other and it, it could have been overlooked, like two little boys from two families having a fight with each other, but then the fathers and the whole families get involved, and then it becomes, it moves from a, a little kid's, little kid's disputation to big family feud. So Al-Munafiqeen fanned the flames of, uh, of this disputation between the two little 
boys, and they said about the Muhajirin certain things, and they said, look, to the Ansar, they said to the Ansar, look, you have uh, welcomed them into your homes, you gave them, you shared your properties with them, you shared, the, you shared your homes with them, you shared your money with them, look what have they done to you, when you feed your dog, the dog will bite you one day. This is, the, this is how they described the Muhajirin. So all of these ways and tactics were, were of the ways of the Munafiqeen. But one of the most striking examples where the Munafiqeen were really manifested and the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ here is even though he knew that they were Munafiqeen, he did not cause any violence ﷺ. The Prophet ﷺ didn't kill them. The Prophet ﷺ didn't expel them. The Prophet ﷺ didn't send them out. The Prophet ﷺ wanted to ma maintain community cohesion within Al-Madinah and also knew that it is a strong society. It is a strong society that stops rumors. It is a strong society that kills its own rumors. Not by expelling some members, not by sending some members out of the society. If you really want to maintain good uh, society and strong society, honesty, openness, wisdom, this is what maintains the society. Between you and your wife, if someone tries to put some rumors and some trouble, the only way to defeat that is to maintain openness and clarity. Then no one will be able to come in and cause any damage. This is how the Prophet ﷺ did to the Munafiqeen. After the battle, after the conquest of Mecca, in the eighth, after the, towards the eighth year after the Hijrah, the Prophet ﷺ, and it was his habit that he wouldn't ever tell people where is he going out. When he would go out to the battlefield, he wouldn't tell them where he's going now. He would blind, meaning he would وسلم, tell them something, but not, not, not very clear, ambiguously. He would tell them ambiguously that he's going out. But what is his destination, whether he's going north or south, whether he's going east or west, whether he's aiming at a specific tribe, the Prophet wouldn't disclose. And this is, again, another military tactic. But in the eighth year after the Hijrah, it was very hot summer, and people were about to reap the crops of their farms. And there was a lot of shadow and people were really tight in terms of money and finances. So it was a very difficult situation. And the Prophet ﷺ heard that the Romans are about to attack the Arabian Peninsula from the north, so he had to make a preemptive war to stop the Romans from attacking him. And that the Romans have gathered their troops and battalions in an area called Tabuk a city in the, in the northern part of Saudi Arabia today. So the Prophet ﷺ, for the first time ever, he mentioned his destination. He openly said, I am going to a place called Tabuk. Due to various factors, number one, because it is facing the Romans. And this is pretty much the first encounter between him ﷺ, specifically with the Romans, a big empire at that, at that time. So it is something big. And number two, because it was a real test. Real test for people who have to leave the shadows and the shades and the good life, luxurious life in Al-Madinah, and they have to go out. This battle of Tabuk was the one that has manifested really the hypocrites. Because what happened in the battle of Tabuk is a lot of people didn't join. A lot of people stayed behind in Al-Madinah. Some stayed because of excuse, they had real genuine excuses. They came to the Prophet ﷺ and they said, Ya Rasulullah, we'd, we'd love to go out, but we have no horses to carry us. We have no swords. We have no finances. If you can find someone to give us money to buy weapon, weapons and to buy war kit, we'd be happy to do that. 
And the Prophet وسلم, asked if anyone can, can help. And Sayyidina Uthman ibn Affan عن, rushed to the help, but he did not secure enough money to cover everyone. But he secured enough money to cover a proper army. So he covered something like more than 4,000 alone. 4,000 fighters alone, Sayyidina Uthman. But beyond that, people were left to their own means. Some Sahaba had to borrow. Some Sahaba had to go and work and take the wages of the day and finance themselves. And some people couldn't even do that. So they had to stay. These are the people who are excused. And then we have another group of people who just stayed behind. And they had no excuse, but they were Muslims. They were genuine Muslims. They were lazy, possibly. They were taken by the fact that dunya was in front of them. There were some other people who were challenged. Some other people who were challenged by their own relaxation. One of the Sahaba, Sayyidina Abu Darda, he came into uh, Al Madina from a travel, and when he arrived, he was married to two ladies. When he arrived, he found that each lady has prepared her own house to receive the husband after his long journey. And they have prepared the food, and they have prepared the hammam. They didn't have hammams in those days. They didn't have toilets. They have prepared the luxury in the house. So they prepared everything for Sayyidina Abu Darda And then Abu Darda looked at them, and he said, well, do you want me to enjoy this? And the Prophet is in the heat. He's already left. So he didn't even, after he took off his war kit, he put it back, and he walked. He walked after the Prophet And the Prophet saw him after, after, after so long journey, the Prophet saw him from a distance. And he said, Kun Abu Darda, like be Abu Darda. Sayyidina Abu Dhar al-Ghifari did the same thing. And the Prophet saw him also in the distance joining. And the Munafiqeen, they stayed and they made excuses. They fabricated excuses. They fabricated these excuses, and they came to the Prophet ﷺ afterwards and said, Ya Rasulullah, we had this and this and that. You know, my son was ill, my wife was like this, I got engaged with this, my crops were about, I had to finish this. All of these forms of excuses, and the Prophet ﷺ accepted people's excuses because he's setting an example that we should not delve into people's hearts. We shouldn't search into people's hearts. If someone presents his excuse, you have to accept their excuse. That's it. But there was a, a, a fourth group, people who stayed behind. They had no excuses. And when the Prophet ﷺ came back, they said, Ya Rasulullah, we had no excuses. If we were to lie to you, we know that you would have accepted, but we had no excuses. So the Prophet ﷺ said to their families and to everyone to stop talking to them. And for 50 days, after 50 days, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed ayat in Surah Al-Tawbah, forgiving them. Three specific individuals. For 50 days, no one ever spoke to them a word. But they were honest because of their honesty. They got their punishment to 50 days boycott, as they say, you know, uh, you know, to, to, to ostracize someone. They say in English, to send them to uh, Coventry. You know Coventry City? To send someone to Coventry? It's an English idiom. That means, in, in, back in the days, the royalists uh, in, in, in Coventry, uh, the, there was a lot of people who were against the royalty and people who supported the royalty. So when the royalists were defeated, because the people of Coventry were against royalists, so they sent them to Coventry, so that no one will talk to them. 
So they said to send someone to Coventry means like to stop talking to them completely. Right? So they were sent to Coventry. No one ever spoke to them. But this is a three individuals only in Al-Madin Al-Munawwara. Now, the Quran relates this story about the individuals who stayed behind in the Battle of Tabuk and the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam wanted them to go out. So Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says to the believers, blaming those who stayed behind without an excuse, saying, O oh, you who believe, and the whole surah tells us the stories of each one. But Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says, O oh, you who believe, what has become of you, that when it is said to you, go forth in the path of Allah, you become weighed down to the ground. And this is the parable, weighed down to the ground. Normally, normally the person is weighed down when he's heavy, isn't it? When he's full, when he's full of things. You know, when you fill a bag of flour or anything, it becomes weighed down. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, why are you weighed down to the ground when you're asked to go out for sabilillah? Is it that you are so pleased with the life of this world over the hereafter? Yet the enjoyment of this life is so little as compared to the endless abundance of the hereafter. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala presents in this ayah the example of those who don't want to go out. Even though they have no excuse because of laziness and because of cowardice and because of attachment to dunya. Similar to someone, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, they are similar to someone who wants to stand up but because of heaviness, he's stuck to the ground. He's unable to even stand up, let alone to initiate a journey and to set forth in a journey. Even though human beings are created from dust. So when we are weighed down to, weighed down to the ground, that's because of our nature. But it is our challenge in life to face and to challenge and to struggle against this earthly nature. In order to be heavenly being, our long life challenge is to struggle between our earthly side and our heavenly side. To struggle to go back to our homeland, which is Jannatul Firdaus. This is where our father Adam alayhi salam, even though he was created from the earth, he was placed there. So that we would love to go back. And also the example is showing us that those who carry multiplicity of things in this life, engagements, wealth, money, this, that, children, this, loads of engagements, you are just adding to your load. So when you try to travel, you will be weighed down. Why will you be weighed down? Because you have so many engagements, so many things to, 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 uh, to be asked for. The Prophet ﷺ said in an athar that the poor people will enter Jannah 500 years before rich people because they will have nothing to declare at the doors of Jannah. They will have nothing to be questioned for, right? There is not much engagement. So this is actually quite a, a, an important message for each and every one of us that the biggest challenge that stops you from doing good deeds is this feeling and this defeat of laziness inside you. Your challenge is not external. Your challenge is internal. Once you're able to face this laziness and this weighing down, you will be able to do good deeds. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to face two important things the Prophet sallallahu used to seek refuge in Allah from. Laziness, and, and inability. Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min ajzi wal kasal. The Prophet ﷺ used to seek refuge in Allah from laziness and from inability. 
Inability is a product of laziness. So no one can ever claim that Allah doesn't want me to do things. If there is any laziness, it is from you. Your challenge in life is to take the initiative, is not to submit to laziness. If you have to do it, to do it on the spot. Don't delay it, don't procrastinate, don't say I will do it tomorrow, don't say I will do it next year, don't say I will do it next week, don't say I will do it tonight. If you are unable to do it now, then bear in mind that you will never do it. The Prophet advised us that we should always initiate and rush to good deeds. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Innahum kanu yusari'una fil khayrat. They used to compete and rush to good deeds. When it is a good deed, rush to it. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala save us all from laziness.